Hey moms, you know those thoughts you've had about preparing for the unexpected? Ever wondered how to ensure your kids are taken care of no matter what occurs? There's a method to safeguard your family's future and this intriguing episode takes you there. Let's journey together into understanding asset protection, not as an alarming subject, but a critical tool for empowering ourselves, chucking that superwoman cape and living in peace. Ready for some stress-relieving insights and guidance that could make life smoother for you. Stick around. Welcome to the Mama Genius Hub podcast, your hub for all things motherhood and self-discovery. I'm your host, Michelle DeKaiser, here to empower and connect you. Genius isn't a word around here, it's our guiding light. Guiding kids' genius, empowering mama's purpose, navigating motherhood, igniting connections, including the transformational powers of women's circles, unleashing self-care, and success stories of mothers just like you. Join us on our journey to live in your genius zone. Subscribe and let's do motherhood together. Hey everyone, welcome back to Mama Genius Hub podcast. I am so excited to have Cherie here today because she's going to tell us all about asset protection. And if you have no idea, like I never, I didn't either, she's going to break it down to us, but it helps us plan and prepare to help us with how we're going to protect our kids, how we're going to protect ourselves and get out of sticky situations. So I'm just going to go ahead and introduce her. Cherie LaPrince is an attorney and asset protection coach who teaches entrepreneurs how to merge their businesses and play it and plan with their estate plan to create a moat around their assets. For a decade, she has taught, led, and counseled entrepreneurs at every phase of their businesses. Cherie has been keen, has the keen ability to deliver uncommon, original, and useful tools in dynamic and engaging ways. She brings your audience experience in asset protection, estate planning, and business planning. So we're going to go deep dive into that today because sometimes as moms, we just don't necessarily want to think about these things. But let's again, open up the doors, open up possibilities to what we can do. Thank you, Sherry, so much for coming on today. Well, look, thank you for inviting me. Um, Asset protection is not always the sexiest thing to talk about, but I love it. And hopefully um, I got some tips that your moms can really use to help protect their families and just get a better understanding for what it is. I know because you hear the words asset protections. I mean, you kind of like for me, I like kind of get the idea like you you own these things or and and then you need to protect them. But it goes so I'm assuming it goes so much deeper than just that. (laughs) Well, it does. And one thing I'll tell people, it does not matter. And I'm a little hoarse today. So you guys bear with me. It doesn't matter actually what you own. You know, one common objection is that I don't have a lot of money. Or I'm not a business owner. You don't necessarily have to be a business owner to practice good asset protection techniques. One example that I like to use, especially for moms that, you know, and you don't have to have a business, is that what are your plans for your children? And so part of asset protection is really just a plan for how you're going to take care of your family when you're not there. Think about that. That's part A. Part B is you know taking care of them what resources are going to be used to take care of them so that's what i want to talk about today some things you could do for your family um and i do have some things you could do on your own now it's great if you have an attorney to work with but we're definitely going to do some you know dyi stuff today as well because we know how expensive you attorneys can be (laughs) oh yeah but you know we have to make a living too um you know i was not always an asset protection coach 
I was a mom before I went to law school. My kids were actually, I think Madison was three and Dylan was six months old when I attended law school. Um, I'd been a business owner, but there were so many things I had to do as a single mom. And I took a lot, you know, I went through peaks and valleys to kind of get here. So one thing that I want to share with moms today is just as a starter, I tell folks to definitely look at your insurance policies um, and your beneficiary designations. That's the very first thing to do. Does not cost you anything but time. And set up an appointment starting with yourself first to review those on an annual basis. And once you get an understanding for what coverage you currently have, then you can start filling in the gaps. So if you do not have a will or a trust, that is your next step because that is you know, the roof to the plan that you're gonna to put together for your family. So we have our insurance policies, we've looked at our beneficiary designations, maybe for retirement accounts or investment accounts. And we have those in a water safe place and a fireproof place, you know, just so they can be preserved. And with the will or the trust, now this is not the DYI portion of it. You can do it, but I don't recommend it. But, um, but definitely that's like the roof to the house. And so we're looking at that, and now we're considering the needs of our children. So Michelle, how many times have, you know, maybe you've run across a family and all the kids had different interests? You know, it's common. Even Very common, yes. All my kids have different interests, except that my little one likes to copy what the middle one's doing. But that would probably change. <laughs> that, that will definitely pass. So I have two teenagers, a girl and a boy. And I don't remember exactly when I noticed that even the cartoons they like to watch, you know, were different. At one point, they were watching the same cartoons. And then my daughter, who's older, she's like, Mom, that's a kitty cartoon. So, yes, she had graduated to a whole different level of cartoons. So when you think about asset protection, you want to make sure that you have a plan that's unique for each one of your children. One thing that I recommend if you, you know, would like to do a trust instead of a will is to do what's called a common trust. And with the common trust, you just have one big pool of assets and the trustee for the trust can share those with your beneficiaries, your children in this case, as their needs arise. So what happens when you have one child that may need ongoing medical care for their life? Because maybe they have an illness that, you know, an incurable illness. What if you have one child that does not have the aptitude to go to college? They may need more help over the course of their life. Or you have one child who's just, you know, blowing and going and they don't really need a lot of help at all. So it gives you some discretion. I love that how you how you break it down because you're right. All the kids have different needs and different things. And I do really encourage the wills as well, especially like for my state um, in Wisconsin, it's there, there's no like everything just goes to spouse. We don't have that. So if there is no will, then we, you can get stuck in probate. And so it's really, really important that you just have those things in place because honestly, we just, we never know. And it's not a fun subject, which is why we're having it right now. Just because it still needs to be out there and you don't know what's going to happen. So, and you want to have a plan in place for where your kids are going to go again, until they're of age, you're still going to have to make those choices. And that all comes into play with the, well, when we sat down with the attorney that helped us, he was just like, he kind of put it straight to us. Like you need to make those plans because you just don't know. Then once they become of age, then you can go back and, and change all these things. But right now we're in that interim where we don't know. And so are there any other tips that you give in terms of what to put into the will or, or anywhere that we should, um, anything that we should add to that? Definitely. 
Um, one of the most common things that you need to include for your minor children is a designation of guardianship or a choice of guardianship. My mom passed away when I was 16. And we're in Mississippi. The age of majority here is 21. So when she passed away, she was only 36 years old. And so, you know, who thinks at 36 that I need to have a will, I need to have life insurance, or I need to appoint somebody to be the guardian for my minor children if I'm not here to take care of them? But that was the case. And she didn't have any of that. Um, another consideration as part of your estate plan is also, or, well, estate and asset protection plan is also long-term care insurance. Because at the time my mom had died, she had been in a nursing home for three years. So that's three years of state assistant housing that you don't think about in your early 30s. And so it may not be an illness. It could be that you're in a motor vehicle accident. It could be, you know, a number of things um, <clears throat> as to why you're incapacitated. So those are some things to look at with the children. But I do have another question. I just want to back up for a second. So what then did happen because your mom didn't have the will? What happened to um, you? Well, my brother and I just kind of bounced around. And y'all, I'm going to take another swig of this water just for this. <laughs> you do that. But yeah, my brother and I just kind of bounced around um, to different family members' homes. And we eventually landed at my grandparents' house. And there were, you know, a period of years we lived in different places, but it was always with family. And we were kind of fortunate. You know, some people go into the system. We didn't go into the system. Um, we never did have an estate for my mom because she literally, when she went to the nursing home, she lost everything. So there's nothing to probate. But, um, yeah, those are things for kids to consider. Now, here's the thing that a lot of folks don't consider as well. And if you are a mom... You know, you may also be a second or third wife, or you could be a first wife with a blended family. So what happens when you come into the marriage, you have children, your husband has children, and maybe you have children together. So, I mean, think about the rights of inheritance. You know, sometimes maybe one set of the children, one set of children are older. And so their needs are going to be different than your minor children. And so these are just all like things to think about when you're putting together your asset protection plan. Wow. I just like all of a sudden my head's spinning, but it's, it's, it's good to like, just start thinking about these things and realizing that the sooner you get these into place, then it kind of just takes a load off your mind. I mean, it takes a load off that you didn't realize. And even just the fact that you've heard this now, maybe you all of a sudden like, <sighs> but then there is a way to release it. Like just having that plan into place and having the right things picked out. But you said, if you don't make these decisions, then someone on the other end, if something does happen, like for instance, with your mom, someone's going to make those decisions. And then you had no say in it whatsoever. Right now, you still do have a say. Exactly. And that's why I encourage people, you know, make a date with yourself once a year to go through and look at all this stuff. Because what happens when you start having grandchildren? And so you definitely, you don't want to leave them out. You want to make sure they're included. But what happens is we are so busy celebrating. You know, we have a new baby. We're celebrating birthdays come and they go first, second, third birthday. You have not updated your estate plan to, you know, include this new bundle of joy because you don't want that person to be left out. Or if you get a divorce, you're in a period of mourning the relationship. So you don't think to go in and change your beneficiary designations. And that ex-spouse may be on your retirement as a retirement beneficiary or even life insurance. And that's not the person that you want to leave your assets to. 
Wow, that is that's so true because you don't necessarily think about those things. And so, like you said, so having that date once a year at least makes you think about it, even if you don't do those things right away, but it gives you that place like, is everything still the way I want it? Exactly. Now, here's another layer because we are all about, yeah, you know, it's kind of like just thinking about what can happen. And y'all, I will say this, I always try to begin with the end in mind. So my mind always goes to litigation. It goes to worst case scenario. And I just kind of work backwards. So I don't mean to bring doom and gloom, but I definitely just want to make you aware. Um, yeah. So another thing to think about, <clears throat> if you are a second or subsequent spouse, think about how long that person has been married to the previous wife. You know, what the property division may have been in the state that you live in and if you do not have a prenup or a postnup, worst case scenario, and the marriage does not last, what a property division will look like, because that's going to open up some more doors that people don't like. To, they don't like to talk about it, but it's something you definitely have to consider. Well, you're just putting things such into perspective because it is something that we, the love comes in, and then we ignore all the other stuff, or we just. I don't think that that's ever going to happen to us. I mean, like your mom probably never expected that to happen to her and it may, and hopefully it will not, but having that one document to really help cement if anything did happen really makes a huge difference in terms. So again, like we were talking about, we don't want to be the doom and gloom, but it's almost kind of like this episode is a little bit of a reality check in terms of thinking about these things. And I love that um, you bring out this list for us to just really come and check with and see, are we doing those things? And if we're not doing them, so to alleviate some of the overwhelm that might just occur from even hearing some of this since we're already 12 minutes in, let's take it down a step. Because sometimes the money and the assets and all that stuff might get a little overwhelming, especially if we're not used to dealing with them, because that would be me. (laughs) I know that's not your case, but it will be mine. What is the first step though? Like if say, a mom doesn't have any of this in place. What is the first thing they need to do? Okay. And I love this. One thing that you can do that's really low stress and actually it's a freeing exercise. I call it the three eyes. And the first thing you do is you identify all of your assets. Now, an assets may sound like a fancy word, but it's just stuff. Where's all your stuff at? What do you own? So you go through, you identify everything that you own. Um, if you are a couple, then you're going to do this, you know, I have a, I have a similar exercise if you have a business, but if you're a couple, you're going to have, you know, two columns, his and hers, you know, what does he use? What do you use? And you just make that list. And part of that list is you start to inventory it. So, you know, everything that he owns that's tangible. Now you're not going to, you know, put, he has 20 pairs of socks. You may want to, you know, really. How detailed do we get? That was actually my, my question. Like how detailed should we be getting on this? Well, I will put a dollar amount on it. <clears throat> you know, think about anything over maybe $250. And Michelle, I'm so sorry. Look, I was so excited about this talk. It happens. It's, it's excitement that gets the voice um, cracking. It does. So you may want to put a dollar amount on it. I recommend like maybe $250. You know, if he is a gamer and he loves video games, you may want to inventory his video games, his any collectibles that he may have. Um, any equipment, you know, guys love lawnmowers, they have tools and things like that. So you want to make, you know, you want to identify where everything is located and then you want to inventory. So that's 
The first side, identify the inventory. And then number three, you want to improve the classification of the assets. Now, when I say improve the classification, what if it is like he puts his wedding ring on there? Well, it belongs to him, but you purchase it for him. You know, you may have a diamond tennis bracelet. He purchased it for you. It's a gift. And this is where you have to start thinking um, about where you live, because some of us live in um, community property states and some of us don't. And like I said, asset protection is not really sexy, but you have to consider what would happen in the event of a split. But at least with this document, you know what assets you own and you know where they are. And you know, generally, if something were to happen to either one of you, you know how that ownership would look like. Why is this important? Well, if you are the wife of a subsequent marriage and you have a blended family, depending on where you live, those assets will be divided up in a particular way. Now, I'm in Mississippi. In Mississippi, if you die without a will or a trust, say that you have a husband and wife and two children and the wife passes away. The husband and the two children would each get a third of her estate. It doesn't automatically go to the husband. So what if you had a blended family? The wife's heirs would only be her children. And you see how the husband's children would, you know, that he brought into the marriage would not receive anything. And so a lot of people will take, you know, all the kids on as theirs. So those kids may feel left out. And it sounds a little busy, but really, this really starts to open your mind up. And part of your insurance paperwork and your beneficiary designations, like from retirement accounts, investment accounts, those are also assets. You know, does he have any that are only titled to him? Do you have any that are only titled to you? And so that's going to really get you to thinking like, okay, this is everything that we have. What kind of protections do we have? And that's step one. Can you, can you just summarize those, those three parts you just said real quickly, just to, to get them fresh in the mind after the explanation? Yes. The three eyes. First, you identify your assets. Like literally, where are they? Is the lawnmower in the shed? Is it in the garage? You know, where's the car? Then you inventory those assets. You got a his and her columns. And then you improve the classification of those. You look at, you know, did he purchase this with his money? Did I purchase it with my money? Did I purchase it for him, vice versa? And, you know, a step further, did we purchase it with, you know, joint funds? And then you start thinking about where all the money is coming into the household. So that's the first step. Thank you. I need, I need that summary again. I think that will help like justify because then you get the longer explanation and then we bring it back in because again, a lot of us, and I, I, I'm guilty of it as well, just don't necessarily think about these things. And so to really bring it home, I really, that's, that's why I want to bring this out on this podcast is let's start having these conversations so that we are financially stable and we are making our own decisions, not letting them happen to us. That's what I want to make sure moms aren't doing is because I'm, I'm sure a lot of it have been same boats. Like for me, my husband does do a lot of the bills and takes care of things. I'm trying to work towards making sure I understand it all. And it's not that he's keeping it or anything from me. It's I'm not taking the responsibility for it. So that's exactly why I'm bringing on people who are talking about assets and finances and things like that and working on my own because it's been one of the struggles I've had. So I'm assuming if I'm having it, I'm not the only one out there listening that has that same struggle. <laughs> You are not. And you know what? You just brought up something that um, makes a really good distinction. So this is totally different than budgeting. He can still like, you know, handle the bills and the budgeting. But what you're doing in terms of identifying the assets is something that you can actually supplement for the household. 
So it's like a totally different role because budgeting pretty much deals with the money coming in and the bills we have to pay. But think about all the stuff we get. Like, you know, at the time that we're recording this, it's going to be Christmas in a couple of weeks. So, you know, there are going to be new assets coming into the house. Well, you know, we may use those for a period of time and put them in the back of the closet. But if we have a routine of annually going through what we own, how is it protected? Who do we want it to go to in the event that we're no longer here? It'll just keep it top of mind. I love that because it's just I I'll, in my head as we've been talking, I'm like inventorying the house in my like, what do I need to put on this sheet? Yeah, and I think that's step one, figuring yeah. it out. No fancy planner, just a sheet of paper and a, and a pen gets you started. So once we have this 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 asset list, what's the next step? Now, Michelle, I don't know how you're going to like this. Uh-oh. The word I'm going to use, um, because I believe in the power of a pre or post-nup. But that's not a word you want to use with your significant other. Okay? We're not going to say that. The way, we're not going to say, hey, babe, I think I need a post-nup because we have all these assets that need to be protected. Hey there, busy mamas. I know exactly how you feel. Overwhelmed, frustrated, and barely find time for yourself. Guess what? I've been there, and I found a way out. I've got something just for you, and it's called Busy Mama's 10 Ways to Reclaim Your Morning in One Minute. You see, during the chaotic times of getting my kids ready for school and wanting to pull my hair out, I realized I need to start taking care of myself, too. It wasn't easy, but it was necessary. So here's your free gift for your first step to taking back your mornings and enjoying them again. And there's a bonus, too, to help you organize your mornings with your kids. So claim it at connectingmamas.com slash it's time to stop doing motherhood alone and start supporting each other. We're not going to do that. Instead, I tell people to kind of phrase it, you know, hey, babe, I've been thinking about our estate plan and how we need to protect our assets. And I think we need to work we need to work on it and get something formalized. And as part of that, if you have a savvy estate attorney, they will put together something that's very similar to a post-nup. I just don't like to use the word, but that's really what it is. Because think about it, Michelle. When you're new in a relationship, isn't that when you love the person the most and you're the most generous before you get married, hopefully. <laughs> you should be. And so if you make decisions while you're happy or even after the marriage, <clears throat> before there are problems, this is something really easy to do. But it's much harder when you're feeling vengeful or vendetta because I, I've actually, it's, it's funny. I feel like it's that age in us where there are a lot of, of people who got married in their 20s or things and have just grown apart and decided the kids are old enough. and it's time just to go separate ways. And I'm seeing that more and more um, with, with our age group. And it's not that it's good or bad. It's just making sure, though, if that in the process of all of this, that you're doing it amicably. Because I've seen really good ones where they just decide this is enough. And I've seen really bad ones where they're fighting for years. And so it's kind of getting that done, like you said, while you're still in a good, peaceful spot. What do we have and how would we just divvy it up? What is ours? What's his? And, and, and getting that into place and, and deciding what do you want to do with the kids for the kids and how to do these things, because that all does come into place. So it's a great way just to start thinking about all these things. So we get that in place. Is there anything else that we should be looking at doing? Yes. I know we're getting close to running out of time, but we got a little bit more. Really quickly. So um, those are your basic exercises. That's the, you know, the do it yourself component to it. Once you talk to a professional about a will or a trust, there's some other documents you need to also consider. One is a living will. That's just, you know, a document that says 
yes or no about being on a feeding tube or getting a ventilator. Um, and with that document, you have, you know, a counterpart that is your healthcare directive, which actually gives a person the authority to make decisions on your behalf. Because everything can't be in one sheet of paper. You know, you're not going to think of every scenario and have a decision, but you're authorizing a person to come in and make any decision that's not in your living will. Sometimes they conflict. You can tell the doctors which, you know, who controls. Does the person control the paper? I say the paper because the paper is definitely what I want. If something were to happen to you, you may not want to be a vegetable, but your husband and kids may want to come visit you every day, brush your hair and, you know, say, mom, it's going to get better. And you just want to, you know, you may not want to be here. So that piece of paper is very clear what needs to happen. Um, a third document. Go ahead. Now, I was going to say that's just so vital because actually like also another thing in my state is that it is not spousal rights. So like if you don't have that that paperwork in this thing, it's you're not sure who's going to be have the, the next of kin kind of thing because we don't have that it's a spouse automatically. A lot of people just assume that it's automatic. And, you know, that's where I should have started with make no assumptions because a lot of this stuff we just assume, like you said, it's our spouse. But depending on where you live, it's not always the case. And so you don't want to assume. And what happens if, you know, you have homes in multiple places or you're on vacation and the place that you're vacationing, if something happens and the law is different. So, yeah, um, a third document is what's called a HIPAA form. It's just a healthcare authorization form for people to get your medical records. Cherie, why do they need my medical records? I'm still with you guys. If you're in an accident and you're incapacitated. And you need records for any purpose or you happen to, you know, pass away during an accident. And now your attorney or your wrongful death claim, you know, needs your medical records. So that's an important form as well. The last form that I would recommend as a staple is a power of attorney. And it basically gives someone the right to do anything that you can do, you know, as if they are you. And you can choose whether that those rights go into effect when you're incapacitated or if you're just walking around and you're unable to do it. So that's a fancy way for, you know, getting your five documents together. And those documents are one, a will or a trust. That's document number one, a living will, a healthcare directive, and a HIPAA form and a durable power of attorney. And I, th I think there may be six. Okay. That's okay. It's, it, we understand. But what is the difference between a will and a living will? So the will is just short for last will and testament. It's a testamentary document that outlines what happens in the event of your death. And a living will is a healthcare document that says, you know, this is what I want to happen to me if I'm in the hospital and unable to make decisions for myself. So you're still living with the living will, but the last will and testament goes into effect, you know, you've gone on the glory. I see that. Is there any, um, any final things that they need to know about asset protection that you think, or have we covered the basis, at least for now? <laughs> That is it for now. The biggest thing is just get started. You know, don't put it off. Like I said, my mom was 36 and that's when she passed away. She actually went into the nursing home when she was 33. She was there three years, but she had even been sick before then. You know, we tried to take care of her as family and we couldn't. And so you just don't know. And when you have minor children, it's so much more important to make sure that, you know, they are taken care of in a way that would, you know, make you smile if you're looking down on it. So I love that. And it's so true because we don't want to leave our kids unprotected and they're, they're just our biggest joys. And so if we're not having that on paper, 
like what happened to you? Like you just got, luckily it was still family, but you never know, then they might just be put into the system. And is that what you really want for them? And so it's just making sure this is in place while they're still young. Cause again, whenever know. Well, and then also you don't want them to be a burden on your family. So you want to make sure that you leave something so that if it is your mom that has your kids, she has, you know, sufficient resources to feed them, to clothe them and to do the things that you would have done had you been able to do it, you know, being present with them. And I think also it is important to have those conversations with the people and ask them, would you be willing to do this? Because <laughs> you yeah. never know. Well, and another thing to consider, Michelle, I'm going to talk all day, but I'm going to be done in just a minute. Um, consider this. Sometimes the person that you want to raise your children, is not, you know, that's not the same person that will handle their money. So say your mom mm -hmm. loves them to death. I mean, she's going to make sure they're fed, they're clothed, they go to bed on time, they brush your teeth. She's that person but she's not good with money. You know, she'll go out and buy those $300 Jordans because, you know, little Johnny asked for them. Well, let her raise the kids, but maybe you have a best friend who's fiscally responsible, who's going to make sure the kids have everything they need and protect the money over time, who may be more savvy about investments. So consider having one person to care for the children and another person to manage their finances. It does not have to be the same person. That is such a key point on that. Now we're going to go into our five questions for you as we end this up. So number one for you, is your favorite book or resource that has had a significant impact on you in your mama journey? Look, I would say The Color Purple. And I know you're like, how did that have a significant impact? Well, if you just really look at the theme for the book, it's about relationships, family, and the division of that. Now, me and my brother living with my grandmother, that we didn't really have a choice in that. Early in the book, in The Color Purple, you had two sisters who were separated, and it was not by choice. And so over the course of the book, it just talks about their life, the hardships, and their relationship with their children and extended family. And so I kind of, it's not a direct parallel, <clears throat> but it really has informed how I care for and parent my children. I love that actually. I love how you brought that parallel together and, and just brought the themes of the book and, and like we and, and you know it's funny is most people give a nonfiction book, but it is not that, but in terms of just story time, usually it's some sort of personal development or parenting book. And I love seeing that we can get so much from a story as well. And it's so powerful to see that that it doesn't always have to be one way to get a message. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. Number two for you. What is a way that you're, what is a fa special family tradition or um, that brings also connection and joy that either a tradition or a ritual that just brings joy and connection to your household? Cooking with my kids. So prior to the pandemic, I mean, we were probably well known at 90% of the drive-throughs in the metro area. Um, I did not do a lot of cooking. I've been a single mom and I'm busy a lot. So I'm guilty of ordering food, takeout, catering. But during the pandemic, we were forced to cook at home and just really being in the kitchen, baking, trying recipes. Um, my son can really fix anything I can cook. Like literally, I would trust him to fix a whole meal and I can come home and eat it, no problem. Um, and that has probably brought me the biggest joy. And we just have fun in the kitchen. I love that too. And I, my son loves to cook too. And it's, it's fun to have that. It's it's a place to connect in in the kitchen and doesn't always have to be 
a tradition like a lot of people are talking about Christmas and stuff, but think I also want moms who are listening to this, think about some of the just the things you want daily rituals that you want to instill in your kids when, when we're hearing about this question, just to open up that conversation in your own head as well, and maybe having with with people around you. So number number three for you actually just leads into what you just said because again we're opening that conversation to the words I'm busy. <laughs> And calling ourselves out as busy moms, because we use that a lot. And I think as a society, just define ourselves as busy. And we're always looking for just the things that we're doing. So how are you? I'm busy, blah, blah, blah. So I want to invite you to take a different take on either how to reword how are you, how to reword the answer, however, reword, redefine the word busy, however you want to take that question. So instead of saying I'm busy, I can say that better now that I'm here with you. I love that. And that's better so true. That because I find when I'm connecting with someone, because I, I deal with so much paper all day long, I'm typing, I'm reading, I'm you know shuffling papers around. So when I'm connecting, I really am better when I'm with someone else and we're exchanging ideas. I love that. I'm just speechless right now. That's a, that's like really, and just the joy of it is true because it is a connection. And I was trying to get across also is a lot of times when we're with someone in front of us, we know it's either ourselves or the person talking to us is darting around the room looking to see who else is there. But really that person is there in front of you for a reason and really giving them your full on to buy attention really shows how you're better because they're there. Exactly. I love that. Number four for you. Describe what the word genius means to you and how do you feel when you're living in your genius zone? Genius for me feels like an aha. Have you ever like had a small win in your day? And it's nothing big, but it's like maybe something that you were going to check off your list that you've been meaning to do. When I'm working in my zone of genius, I feel like a steady stream of ahas. And it's just, it's a euphoric feeling. And I feel like I'm doing the thing that I was purposed to do. So that would be genius for me. I love doing things that I was purposed to do. Because I think that's what this is all about is for moms to figure out what their purpose is that they want to do. And, and when you hear that inside of you, not suppressing it, but trying to open up the curiosity to figure out what that is. And that's why we're doing this podcast in the first place. Yes. And our last one for you is how do you encourage your children or any child to explore new skills and live in their passions and find their genius? So I'm going to be honest. Um, this is a daily journey because up until the last three or four years, I just kind of felt like they had to follow the same path that I followed. So part of me helping them to find their genius is listening more and about what it is that they're passionate about. Um, I have a lot of, you know, alphabet soup behind my name. I've spent a lot of time in, with formal education. So when my son told me that he didn't think he wanted to go to college, at first I was like, no, you got to go to college. And now I'm just like, what is it that you want to do? What makes you happy? How can I support you? So I think it starts with listening and being supportive, even if it's different than what you think the right path is. Because to be honest, he's 16. I had no idea what I wanted to be at 16. I thought I knew, but it's a winding road. So I would say listening. I love that. And I think that's so true is sometimes we're just, and I, I love that you said listening and actually listening. And I think it's also not listening with judgment. So like if they, like your son saying he doesn't want to go to college, the first reaction 
I mean, we have our reactions, that's okay. But then to kind of circle back and say, well, what is it that you really want to do then? Where do we go from here? Instead of having that, no, you better do this. Like, let's be more open to that conversation. So on that note, make sure you let everyone know how they can get hold of you. And if you have a gift or anything for the audience, let us hear about it. So, um, yes, the best way to reach me, if you just have direct questions, is on LinkedIn. And my handle is at Cherie Speaks. I also have free education that I do once a month. And you can go to my website, www.shereeprints.com. And it's the Asset Protection Blueprint. So all the great things we talked about here and more, uh, if you have an hour once a month, come check it out. It is totally free. You can just register um, and we'll go over how to create an Asset Protection Blueprint. And when you leave, you, can, you will actually have a template for how to create your blueprint. Um, so that's the best way to reach me. I'm excited for being here. Michelle, thank you so much for having me. Well, thank you so much for coming today. And do you have any final parting words for our audience today? Yes. Please play big faster in everything, in your asset protection planning and in life and with your kids. Because we blink and they're big. You know, they're teenagers. They're headed to college or they're just headed to their careers. So when doing everything, play big faster. I love that. Well, thank you all for joining us today on um, the Mama Genius Hub podcast, and we'll see you all next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. Before we wrap up, here are some specific key takeaways from the podcast. Number one, it is essential to have an asset protection plan in place. This plan should include a will, a healthcare directive, a HIPAA form, and a doable power of attorney. These documents outline what happens to your assets and who has the right to make decisions on your behalf in the event of your incapacitation or death. Number two, annually review your insurance policies and beneficiary designations. This practice allows you to make sure that your preferences are up to date and to identify any coverage gaps. Ensure that important documents are protected and stored in a watertight and fireproof place. Number three, Listening and being supportive of your children's passions and dreams is crucial. Even if their plans are different from what you envisioned, encourage them to explore their passions and find their own path in life. Number four, separating the responsibility of raising children and managing their finances may be beneficial. The person who cares for the children may not always be the best at handling the finances. Number five, it is highly recommended to complete this process while relationships are amicable. This way, decisions about asset division data are made in a fair and considered manner, preventing any future disputes. Mamas drowning in laundry and feeling drained? Ditch the superwoman cape. Join the free Mama Genius Reboot Kickstart Kit and rise above burnout. Reclaim your energy, joy, and inner genius. Get clear directions, celebrate wins with a beautiful tracker, and connect with supportive mamas. Ready to feel renewed? Ditch the cape. Grab your free kit at ConnectingMamas.com, click Mama Reboot Challenge, or click in the show notes below and sparkle out of burnout. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Mama Genius Hub podcast, where we aim to inspire, connect, and empower extraordinary mamas like you. Your support can make a difference. Please subscribe and leave a review on your favorite podcast platform to help us reach more mamas on their genius journey. Until next time, stay connected and keep shining your unique light in our community. Let's do motherhood together.